Hello, I'm Alex Zane, film journalist, movie fan and your host for a trip to the movies. I'm currently in our podcast studio a mile beneath the streets of London and in a moment my guest this week, the wonderful actor Nathan Stewart Jarrett, will be talking about his fantastic new movie and taking us on his perfect trip to the cinema. Thank you for downloading the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Odeon. Tis the season for giving and if you really want to treat a loved one this Christmas, there is no better gift than that cinema feeling, sinking into comfy seats, absorbing spectacular surround sound while being immersed in cinematic wonder, it's a feeling like no other. And you can gift that cinema feeling to a lucky loved one with an Odeon gift card. Pick one up at your local Odeon or online and cover someone's snacks, drinks, cinema tickets or all three. And best of all, no wrapping up. Odeon say, we make movies better, so why not make a fellow film lover's Christmas better too? Tis the season after all. And if you'd like to watch today's interview in glorious Technicolor, please do head over to our YouTube channel. And while you're there, if you can hit subscribe and help us grow the pod into a giant temple of film, that would be massively appreciated. For all the latest updates and to get in touch with us, you'll find us at Trip to Movies Pod. That is at Trip to Movies Pod on all social media. Right then, time to introduce today's guest who I interviewed just last week on Zoom. So let's do this. Hello and welcome to A Trip to the Movies, where each week a special guest takes us on their perfect night out at the cinema. This week, we're joined by a brilliant actor who broke onto the scene in the celebrated E4 show Misfits before going on to star in the likes of Channel 4 drama Utopia and 2021's excellent Candyman remake. He can currently be seen on the small screen in the Disney Plus crime series Culprits and on the big screen in the wonderful thriller Femme for which he just won Best Joint Lead alongside his co-star George Mackay at the British Independent Film Awards. Here to talk about that movie and take us on his perfect trip to the movies, it's the amazingly talented Nathan Stewart Jarrett. Nathan Stewart Jarrett, as I live and breathe, how the devil are you? (laughs) I am very... Very well. Happy to see you. I'm doing very well. Mate, it's so good to see you. It is. I was trying to work it out and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's been over 10 years since we've seen each other. Probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I've lived away for seven. Okay. Where where have you been? I was in LA for a bit and I came back. Mm -hmm. I came back. I I was, I was kind of not hoodwinked. I really, I wanted to come back Um, (laughs) and did a play and then I went away again. Um, to, to New York. Okay. Yeah, it's been a while. Okay, well, w- welcome home. It's good to have you back. Yeah. Thank you. I have a very sketchy memory of some post, post-awards do party where we were having a, a lovely chat. And, I mean, this is how long ago it was because you were still doing Misfits at the time. Oh, yeah. Post, post-award. I mean, I do you not worry about, I mean, the chats that were had? These are like, <laughs> I can't remember anything. I cannot remember anything. <laughs> Don't I? I get that anxiety all the time. It's what it's 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 terrifying, and so historic anxiety I can do without. I've got enough present day anxiety. I, I, I mean, future anxiety as well. I've got future anxiety too. So I think the last thing we need to do is start trying to work out what the hell we were talking about close to ten years ago. Um, yeah. So listen, uh, despite your absence in my life, I've spent the last two weeks talking a lot about you. Um, Let's talk about Femme, uh, first of all, uh, because uh, 
what a movie, man. This wonderful neo-noir thriller. Um, I had George Mackay on the show last week, and he said of reading that script that it was so good, he was intimidated by it when he read it. What was what was your reaction when you first read the script to Femme? Where were you? What was the situation? Where was I? Where was I? I was in bed. I was filming conference. Um, I feel like it would have been a weekend morning in Notting Hill. Um, it wasn't a very glamorous bedroom. It was a very cold bedroom, actually. Um, why is, why are I you just, in a cold I, bedroom? What's... I don't know. The, the rest of the house was really nice, and and this bedroom wasn't great. And um, I, that's why I was still in bed. I was cowering. It's just you know how it yeah, goes. I know. You know, I, I, I chose. I, I, you know, I was just staying there, and I chose it for the kitchen, and and kind of forgot about the bedroom. This, this is not important. <laughs> um, I, I was just in bed. I was sitting in the Basically, it was kind of the same thing. I, I, it was. I was just confronted. I was just like, "Whoa, what is this?" And I was intimidated, but I also was like, "This must be me." Mm -hmm. I really, I really wanted to jump on it. I, I kind of. Everything felt difficult. Everything felt kind of confronting. Everything was just like, how am I going to do that? I'm going to do that. And talking about 10 years ago, I feel like it was something that maybe I could have accessed easier 10 years ago before. There was something about it. I thought maybe that, the, the performance of, of Jules as, as Aphrodite, I thought maybe I could have done that. Hmm. I could have slotted into that a little bit easier, uh, a bit, bit younger. And so there were a few things where I was like, how do I access this stuff? But I, I wanted to do it. And then I watched the short. I was like, I want to do it, I want to do it, I want to do it. There was no doubt. Um, so I'll set the scene a little bit. So Jules is a, a drag performer. Aphrodite is uh, your drag name in it. Um, yeah, uh, the nuts and bolts of the story, you are, you are uh, the uh, victim of a, a vicious homophobic attack by George Mackay's character, uh -huh. Preston. Uh, tell us a little bit about Jules before that attack and then how the character changes post what happens? Um, it's funny because I I spent a lot of time thinking about what what was going on in, for Jules before that attack because it the attack is obviously the catalyst. But I was like, who he was before the attack really has to be really rooted in order to kind of descend somewhere. And so for me, Jules is I'm just living his best life. It's, it's kind of he's triumphant. He's really it was his birthday. He's really kind of gotten to this place where. He is whole and feels loved and secure and somewhat powerful. And I kind of really, you know, there's no hints about relationships stuff beforehand, but I really kind of just said, well, this person is, it's, he's functioning. And even though not every part of his life is, is great, he is triumphant in that moment. So when those two characters clash, it has to be the entire destruction of everything he's built um, and worked hard to achieve. So that's kind of where I started from, joy with, with um, Asher and John, Beethoven and Alicia, um, Jules' friends and, and flatmates. And I kind of really worked on yeah, a bedrock of joy to then be destroyed. And then I looked at, well, in the secrets out, basically. Mm -hmm. I played this whole thing. I was like, this whole thing, I was like, just fall in love. Allow Jules to fall in love with Preston. It's somewhat just really. Um, and I stuck it in under. <laughs> Didn't tell anyone that's what I was doing. <laughs> but I was like, uh, I wanted the conflict. 
I th- I don't know if it's a spoiler. I don't think it is because I don't think it 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 it, it, it says how this movie ends. And I I, I mean, you, you can't guess this movie. It's uh, I, I I've told everyone I've spoken to about it. It's one of these incredible movies that you think you know where it's going, especially if you're quite movie literate. You're like, I got this. I know this. And then wow, oh, yeah, yeah. rug pull after rug pull after rug pull. But based on what you just said, at the end. That final scene with Jules. Are you saying he is at that point in love with Preston or not? What what what's your answer? I'm saying I wanted a degree of ambiguity, right? And, and I don't, I, you know, I I looked for. I can't really see it. There was a. I was really trying in that scene to kind of have a breath. I really wanted the last thing to do was to breathe in. So you don't know whether that's relief, pain. I just wanted this moment to say that this wasn't the end well it was the end of something but also there was something that was about to come afterwards so it was i it's slightly in there but it's not really in there but i really wanted to kind of intake and there was something that and it was ambiguous it's ambiguous to me i think that was the the thing it was there was a conflict of that an attacker can often often i think imprint on their victim and i was like this is it was very base in my head i thought i don't know um, and I remember looking at, um, spent a lot of time looking at George's hands, but it was covered in tattoos. And I was like, just fall in love with the hands, just fall in love with the hands. Because those are the hands that also destroyed you. So it, it was one of those weird things where I was trying to, to be, <laughs> trying to go somewhere, but also secretly, because it was at that point, we hadn't quite worked out that's where we were going. I was like, but it really felt like that was, that was there. So that's who Jules became afterwards. And then, Obviously, the revenge conflict, the conflict within that is just, it's huge. Because that's 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 what Jules is looking for. After this attack, he bumps into Preston in a gay sauna and, and starts plotting his revenge. I mean, it's a wonderful cat and mouse game. It's a wonderful uh, performance that you give as Aphrodite, Thank you. your drag persona at the start. Uh, I'm not being flippant, but I imagine there was more to that than just binge watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, there was. Though I did watch that. I watched that bit when I was doing Angels in America as well. It was kind of an escape. But I... There was a lot more. To that. <laughs> That's a lot more to that. But I am. Um, I kind of just looked. I looked at a lot of Nicki Minaj. I looked at uh, some anime stuff. Um, Naomi Campbell kind of reared her head. She did when I did wig out over Royal Court. Um, and there was a pretty woman in there as well. I don't know if she caught that. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I um, think so. Yeah. Bit of um, Vivian. Um, so I just. I kind of. I didn't want to just look at drag queens because I think that's more of an expression, someone else's expression and their artistry um, in the same way that I don't always look at performances to, to build a character. Sometimes they look at people in, in real life and so on. So I, I wanted to kind of give it give it that. And then there was just the practicalities of, of, of me walking and then talking and <laughs> moving and not, you know, it's an art form. I have utmost respect and it's not something that, you know, it's filming so different, but it's not something you can. Um, it takes it takes a, a lifetime. Having uh, having worn heels on various Halloweens, I say various. The last ten, um, they're, they're quite. <laughs> it's quite. A, yeah, it's quite a difficult thing. How high though? I mean, high. not. They used to be really high, and then um, I went down to. I think I don't even. I think they're called Mary Sue's, so they're a slightly flatter heel. They're a kind of shoe. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, well, you're not, well, you need to talk to me in inches, though. Like right, two, three, oh, okay. five, six. So they used to be about three, and um, I, I'd take them off the following day, and for the next twenty four hours, it would feel like I was still wearing them because my toes, like, it, like a sort of ghost, ghost heel, felt like my toes were crushed into that tip. 
So I don't envy anyone. Yeah. Fans of I I was called Stumpy when I did a play once I had to wear heels. What? Me Stumpy. I couldn't I couldn't do it. <laughs> they gave me training heels. Okay. <laughs> and I was like I was training. And everyone else was like trodden around in the real stuff. And I had like three inches. Just <laughs> 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 like granny shoes. And they just called me Stumpy. And then they heard me walking like, here comes Stumpy. I was like, Jesus. And then I graduated and I almost broke my neck. But I was really, there were, there were some granny. They were like old school church heels. They were like thick court shoes. Yeah, that's sort of where I am now. I mean, you know, I've hit that age. It's like, yeah, I want to look sexy for Halloween, but I also want comfort. I'm, I'm, I, I need comfort in my life. What are the rules for Halloween? God, are there rules? I mean, there's a, there's many, right? But what? Because I always think you you should be silly and whatever. It's Halloween, but you should also look kind of cool, like kind of not cool is probably the wrong word, but like. You know, attractive. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. Yeah, I, I see. I, I respect people who go all out silliness. Um, but for me, I've got. I've. I still got to look good. I got to be. I got to look at myself yeah. in the mirror before I walk out the house and go, damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not gonna be SpongeBob. I mean, there's lots of people who do SpongeBob. I'm. I'm not doing this SpongeBob. Yeah. Like, love SpongeBob, but I'm not doing SpongeBob. Did you do Halloween this year? Just gone? No, I um, I peaked. You peaked with Halloween. Yeah, I. I one year I went to Hollywood. A friend said this was like, it's different. You know, we were, in, we were British and in England and there are different things about in different countries. Um, racial things. One year I went as Peter Pan Shadow mm-hmm. and a friend said, that's that's a little dubious. I was like, well, I don't know. I did it years ago and that, I peaked. I peaked. Wow. I, because it was just all black. It was just Peter Pan's costume, all in black. So hot pants. I had a little hanger under my hat to kind of give me a little sting. I peaked. I've never, never done better. That's great. That's really good. Yeah. But your friend said it was dubious. She was just like, that's an interesting choice. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, don't do that. Yeah, we're going out together. It's Halloween. Don't start the night with the word dubious. Yeah, and I, I had fun. I looked great. I mean, it was basically just in black hot pants, aren't you, really, in tights? Yeah. <laughs> it was fine. But that was my thing. I was still like, you know, let's look a little little saucy as the piece of pan shadow. I get that. I did a pirate, a, a zombie pirate. I want to say wench. I don't know if that, I don't know if you're allowed wenches anymore, but this was <laughs> this is a period term. So at the time, they were definitely a pirate wench. Had a great time. Felt good. I've yet, great ball, I've yet to peak. Yet to peak. Hey, um, so listen, congratulations. I know I've been uh, singing your praises as Jules. You are phenomenal, uh, as is Thank your you. co-star, George. Um, and you've just you nominated for Best Joint Performance at the Biffers. Congratulations. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Thank you. It's really, I really love that it's, um, it's us together. I really... It's really nice. It's really, God, you can hear it get the table not in there, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to get your table back? Before we started, you were saying that a friend has borrowed your table. It's actually not my thing. I'm saying at a friend's house. I still live in New York. As I'm saying at a friend's house in East London. She had a Christmas party that I didn't go to. And um, and she's taken this table and she's taken all the chairs. So I'm sat on the floor and she left me one fork. Just <laughs> 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 Sat on the floor. <laughs> it's all glamour. It's all glamour. Yeah. Um, so listen, back to back to Femme. Mm-hmm. Um, the the relationship that your character Jules and Preston have, it's 
Yeah, it's it's, it's very intense, uh, intense both um both emotionally and physically. And I mean, you just mentioned how nice it is to be nominated together. I'm guessing, although I don't know, to play those roles, play those parts, do those particular scenes, you must have to have a, a very good working relationship with your co-star on a film like this. Yeah, I, I, I felt very lucky. And I um, we established something really, really early on. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> really early on. <laughs> um, I, I was... I was just, you know, we met for the chemistry read and I was I was coming off of a night shoot. I had like two to three hours sleep. Um, I was very tired. <laughs> it's a little wired as well. And Julie Harkin, the cousin director, was like, you guys go outside and read the, read the lines over you know, softly with each other. And I just flopped down on this, this sofa and I was like, George, I'm so tired. <laughs> it was like, okay, also, you know, it's, it's also his chemistry as well, but it was all about me. <laughs> I was like, I'm so, so, so far gone. And I was like, can we just read it really softly on the couch? And we just talked, and he was like, it's all right, mate, it's all right. And I was just really sweet. And I think that subconsciously, I did something that gave us an immediacy. I was like, we, I want to do this, and I want to do it with you. And I, you know, I'd met him once before, I he's forgotten that. Did you did you bring it up or did you let it fly? Oh, I brought it up, brought it up quite a few times publicly too. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember once before he's a really nice guy, and I, I I think I just needed it was it wasn't self-conscious, I was tired, but I really just was like, we have to jump right into this, and we did, and I think we took it, we took it onto set. Like he was, oh God, I almost broke his nose. <laughs> he really, he really, um, he really. Yeah, that there there is a an altercation, another altercation, altercation. Not too many spoilers for me today. And um, you actually clipped him. Was, you actually clipped him with your fist. Oh, I heard, I heard the crack. It was my elbow. I heard the crack, I and mean, he's got quite a nice nose. Yep. Yeah, and so um, it would have been noticeable. And then he was just so sweet. I was like, it's all right, it's all right. And just blood everywhere. Oh and then I felt really, really bad. But obviously really couldn't make it about me so I disappeared because I was like oh, I've even broken an actor's nose <laughs> to come back wait wait you thought you'd broken his nose and your reaction was to run away no I apologised <laughs> and, and everyone was around him and I thought as the perpetrator I should probably make myself a little scared <laughs> so I was like just can't, can't go anywhere owned by that bleeding man <laughs> like, really just no and also this is maybe a couple of hours after he um after he hit the back of his head on something, or his back of his head was bleeding, and that was also me. <laughs> gotta go! Wow, uh, gotta go! And there was no, it was never reciprocated. You came away with not a scratch on you. Um, I can um, I can say this now, actually. I think have we talked about this before? He gave me COVID. What? He gave me COVID during one of our intimate moments. He um, he gave me COVID. Oh shit! So did you have to shut down for a bit? Then I mean, I guess you did. Yeah, we. Did we did shut down for a bit, um, and we luckily we both had it at the same time. But he licked my face for eight hours, and then I got COVID. I mean, I was going to say, are you sure it was him? Yeah, probably, probably, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, so you know, there was, I think, with all of that stuff, you know, the jokes and whatever, and there's a few other things. Um, and we just there was a level of trust. There was a degree of trust, and I really felt very lucky, very safe, and therefore could go. Really far. We, and I think we both could. How? How? This isn't PG, is it? No. No. 
his saliva dribbled down my butt cheek. Okay. <laughs> and the same thing he gave me COVID with. So there was definitely a degree of trust. We'd, and I'm so glad because I don't think we could have made that film without that level of trust, without a, a generosity, a kindness. Because any, if, if someone you don't like is, is spitting on their ass. Yeah, I can imagine you. If you got to like someone if they're going to spit on your ass, definitely. I think. Or maybe not. Maybe not. I, I don't know. But, but like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Each their yeah. own. Each everyone their has own. a kink. Everyone has a kink. You know, everyone's got their kink. But I, I think it was there was definitely a, and maybe we took that too far sometimes. <laughs> There's a, a wonderful moment where I might give everything away. I have to do something to him, and. um you know, like, how did that imply? As it is on TM, and the director came over, um, it was Sam, I think, and um, was chatting to us, and I was like, staring at my man, going all deep, and like being all actuary, up in an area, the scene, blah, blah, blah. And I realized that my hand was still nestled on his couch. Between <laughs> And he was also talking away, and my hand was just there, just, just nestled. Um, so there was there was a really it was, it was nice it was nice working together. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think uh, the film would quite have the power it does uh, if the scenes didn't ring so true and feel so authentic, which is a testament to both you and George. It's a fantastic Thank movie. You. It's um, out on December the first. And before we head to our cinema, though, uh, like I said, I've been talking a lot about you, and um, it would be remiss of me uh, not to mention I was chatting with uh, writer and director, uh, the wonderful Jay Blakeson, um, the man behind the Disney Plus show. Culprits, the crime drama, which you star in alongside Gemma Arterton. Um, on, on the scale, it's kind of the other end to Femme. Um, yeah. You, yeah. You, you have a, a great action scene in that opening episode. Uh, tell me what uh, made you want to do Culprits. Is, is it a question when you sort of put it against something like Femme about showing your versatility as an actor or was it just the right script at the right time? Culpers, I just, I never done anything like that. So I, I didn't think I could do, you know, you know be a person called Muscle. Muscle. Yeah. <laughs> and you remember me from ten years ago. I mean, so you know. I, again, and I got, I got a little bit of a shock. I was like, "Geez, Nathan, got big man, you bulked up for that role." <laughs> oh, I ate all the eggs. My one of my aunts basically said, "She's like, oh, what? I was watching." She's like, "That's not the bottom I remember." <laughs> <laughs> Certainly ain't, auntie. <laughs> um, so it was. It was very different. I, I, I there was a. I felt like I'd graduated to something. I, I, I felt heavier and more capable, physically capable to do those action scenes. And it really was about going on this huge journey. But really, as this character, I, I just would never have thought I got. It. And I, when I did all the auditions, I wore. Jay will actually attest to this. I wore a really big sweater. <laughs> It was like medical muscle, and I ain't much going on here. But it really made my frame look a certain way. Um, and he said, "You wore a sweater, that same sweater every time." I was like, "Yes, I did, Jay. Yes, I did." <laughs> um, you know, you're going to have to actually bulk up for the show. You can't just wear the sweater every sweater, episode. Sweater. Oh, I really wanted to. And then bulking up was fun. In the end, it was. It was. I have mixed uh, opinions about all that stuff, but it was. I liked it. Uh, I didn't like the challenge. But um, it was great. 
Uh, it's a great series. It's uh, available on Disney Plus right now, Culprits. And we're going to talk more about your career as we go on our journey. But right now, Nathan, it is time to leave this reality and enter a dimension of pure film where our virtual cinema awaits. You are our guide. We are your audience. Let's go on a trip to the movies. So we push open the doors to our temple of film and find ourselves in the foyer. There's an excited buzz, as there always is in a cinema foyer. The hum of anticipation. It's your perfect cinema trip, Nathan. Who have you picked, living or dead, to go with you? No one. <laughs> no one at all. Um, I love going solo, but uh, no, I love going solo. But I'm, I think, I think Truman Capote would be quite a good person to see a movie with. He's quite gossipy and astute, um, and I think. I don't, I don't need total silence watching a movie that I like to go alone, but I um, I think it uh, has some really funny quips. So Truman Capote. Now, I'll be completely honest. Uh, everything I know about Truman Capote comes from uh, the movie Capote. Which is amazing. Oh, this movie is amazing. Oh, incredible performance. And I love, I love him. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, it's more just like his his books. His book, he was a wit. I mean, he famously had what that um, that argument with Norman Mailer was it on Dick Cavett, I believe. I can't remember. Um, he was just a wit and and quite scathing. And I think watching a movie with someone that's really smart, no matter how silly that movie is, or one like they kind of they can enhance that experience. So. You normally like going on your own with no one talking, but the only person that you'd make an exception to talking... Talks a lot. <laughs> ...is Truman Capote. So you're taking him for his wit, his acerbic wit, and the, the fact that he might know some gossip on what's going on on screen. I feel like, yeah, you just... Someone that kind of sees things a little differently and can send something up is probably what I'm looking for. I, I'm also not a silent movie watcher myself. So even though I go alone, I'm still not silent. Is that why you go alone? Is this some sort of penance? It's like, I, if I go with someone, I will talk and disrupt the cinema. So I must go alone. It's not that I'll talk per se, but you'll hear noises. <laughs> oh, that's fine. No, like you react <laughs> to what's on screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not like just like saying like where we can go for dinner afterwards. Like it's definitely involved in the movie. But I, I actually personally, just, I don't like people. Uh, we're probably going to get to this. A friend of mine, she watches me watch horror movies. I'm a really, I, I'm scared of horror movies. I'm getting a little bit better, but and I know so I watch them. But she's maybe watched horror movies for over ten years. Well, longer actually. I met her when I was a teenager, and she watches me watch them. <laughs> How unnerving is because that? Because I'm really reactive. <laughs> and so she just, she'll stick a movie on and she'll just watch me. And I'm like, oh. um, and so <laughs> Wait, what, what was that again? You'll be like, of... ah. <laughs> <laughs> me and the exorcist. I'm basically copying the, the, the daughter and the exorcist. But um, <laughs> I just, I, I find that sometimes if it's a comedy or something, someone else's reaction starts to influence me and I get quite annoyed. Um, and they'll laugh and they'll look at me because they find something funny and I'm like, don't pressurize them to laugh at their actual mess. Like, let's not do that. And that's sometimes why I go alone. Okay. Okay. Well, you're not going alone this time. You are taking Truman Capote, the legendary author, screenwriter. Brilliant. All right. It's you and Truman Capote. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bit of a legend. You've picked a bit of a legend to take with you. So there's a clock on the wall in the foyer, Nathan. It reads a specific time. What time of day are we going to the cinema? Um, I think it's mid-morning. I 
I do love an 11. I actually love a morning movie. I think you can really set up the day, don't you? So at about 11, you get up before lunch. So you're a, you're a morning movie goer. So uh, famously, a much quieter well, screening than the evening. Uh, do, you, do you like a, a quieter? Yes. Yeah, there's a, a movie theatre called um, IFC in in New York, in the West Village, and it's, it's like a, a subway station, a full street subway station, and um, it rattles and shakes. <laughs> Not many people like it, but I... I really do. There's no one. What did I say? It's, I saw Peter von Kant there. It was actually a while ago now. Um, and there was like six people in the movie theater and we were just rattling around watching this. This I was on the movie night. I kind of like, yeah. I, mean, I was, I think the Guardian actually wrote about this. I went to see The Tree of Life at the Rio um, in Dalston and everyone laughed at the end. And it was kind of one of the weird things. Everyone just had a chuckle at the end. And then the Guardian, you know, the journalist was in the audience then. But sometimes if it's six of you, even if it's bad, there's like a, yeah, it's like a good morning. Like, it's morning. You know, none of us have got jobs. It's 11 a.m. <laughs> on a Tuesday. <laughs> but, you know. So New York, you're living in New York now. I'm actually going to New York for a little quick break uh, next month. Um, it, uh, is it, uh, you, Come see me. i Thank you very much. I, I will do. Um, I, we can go to the IFC Theatre and uh, and be sh- shaken by trains. <laughs> um, it's cold at this time of year. You've lived there for a while. How cold? How yeah. cold should I, I be expecting it? Sorry, sorry to go very British. Tell me about the weather. The weather, the weather, the weather. Um, so last last winter, I was sat at home. I wasn't in the city, but I was, I was sat at home, and it was I think it was minus twenty three. I think at the worst <laughs> that night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad I yeah, asked. Yeah, yeah. Right. it was right. a brutal, brutal. <laughs> um, all right, brilliant. I'll, I'll take. I'll You're take not going a, anymore. I'll, 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 I'll take one of my bigger coats, one of my coats that is functional as opposed to stylish, uh, which is what I would. Yeah, yeah do. no, no, no one's stylish in the winter in, in New York. You really, you just, you just wrap up. You're like a giant baby, um, in bubble wrap, and you kind of shuffle along the street. Okay, that's good. If everyone's doing it, I'll be fine then. I just don't. I don't want to be the only uncool one. You know, it's New York, man. I gotta be cool. Right? Jim, what's really uncool is the sweat. It's the winter sweats because basically you're freezing outside and you get inside and you're really, really hot and you start to sweat at dinner and it's really embarrassing and just everything is just really, really sweaty. It's just got these huge coats on and it's just it's impossible. It's impossible. Well, I've got that to look forward to. I can't wait. If my trip wasn't already exciting enough, uh, I've got that to look forward to. Now. You booked the tickets. You booked the tickets for this cinema trip. Um, tell us, where in the auditorium are we going to be sitting? I don't like being too close to the screen. I've actually got terrible eyesight, but I don't like being too close to the screen. I don't like having to lift my head. I like, sounds weird. <laughs> I don't like having to do that. Um, that was a Victoria Beckham moment. Um, <laughs> and so I like to be like kind of centre toward the back. Um, I think it's quite nice. I, I also don't really love people being behind me. I so I think it's sort of the sound as well. So I'm like, you know what? It's better to be at the back. So that's that's where we, Truman and I, will be. I love it. It's a good, it's a popular seat. Uh, I appreciate it. That's great. And uh, and yeah, wh- why would you go to the cinema and have to lift your head? What, <laughs> what, what am I, an animal? I'm not going to lift my head. Such a bad description of that. <laughs> but yeah. It's just, I will say, I just feel really overwhelmed and you actually, you can't see the whole film. Like you're, you're focused and you have to move your head around. I don't want to see the whole thing. 
All right, I'm putting you centre back. And the final thing, gosh, the air in this foyer is full of wonderful smells. All manner of snacks and foodstuffs are available. What are you choosing to eat? Twizzlers, which is an American sweet. It's basically plastic. I was going to say, not to, not, not Bernard Matthews turkey Twizzlers. Actually. No, 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 no. Right. <laughs> like, plastic Twizzlers. They are just plastic twisted around and they're red and they're supposedly strawberry flavored but i I don't think they are they're it's just plastic i just chew on plastic and i have water and i I don't don't, you know those are the fancy the wine and whatever if you have a drop of alcohol you always want to go to the bathroom like half an hour 40 minutes five minutes later so there's no alcohol um and there's nothing that's too dry and otherwise i have too much water and i don't really like popcorn that much because i get covered in it and it makes too much possibly uh, taken to 11 with the creation of nachos in the cinema oh, now. no 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 like it just this is not a restaurant this is I, it's almost you know it's like holy holy water and and, and and bread like it's you just there are very simple things i think in the cinema and i i don't want to like m&ms anything so just wrestling it's like it's like a church it's a church for us so you gotta you gotta treat it with respect like very very simple very almost biblical biblical in its simplicity Water. Chewing on plastic. And Twizzlers. Um, <laughs> I know an interesting fact about Twizzlers, only because uh, it was Halloween recently, which we talked about. Um, it's uh, Twizzlers are actually one of the uh, best sweets to give children on Halloween because they have uh, one of the lowest sugar contents for candy. Is that why you pick them? Is it because of this culprit's new body that you have to like no. now watch what you take? No, that's amazing. I know my friend just introduced me to them when she's American and she'd come over um, when I was young and she'd bring Twizzlers. And I was like, well, what's this? We don't have this here. And maybe they aren't that sweet. All right. That's really amazing. Um, and I do hoof my way through a bag. So <laughs> that's great. It's great news. Win-win. Happy to be the bearer of good news. You you take those Twizzlers. You run with those Twizzlers. Have as many as you – don't have as many as you like. They still have sugar in. But have have a lot. You always go for a king size one. I, I don't know when I graduated, but I don't do the small packs in my king size only. Good stuff. We've got everything we need, Nathan. Everything we need. Let's push open the next set of doors and make our way down the corridor towards the auditorium. Now, the corridor is looking pretty bare at the moment, so I'm going to put up some posters on the walls that illustrate some of your most important movie memories. And the first poster I'm putting up depicts, Nathan, your fondest movie memory. My fondest... So it was, yeah, it was it was quite recent. So I went to see Hereditary. Oh yeah, um, with the same friend that makes me go to see horror movies, and it was a screening actually. So it wasn't a pure. I, I think screenings are a bit different. It wasn't a pure movie going experience. Um, and I sat next to this woman. It was very beautiful. She was kind of. I thought like she was wearing all white in my memory. She might have been wearing a bit of cream, but she was really put together. I thought a little too much so. A movie theater, even if it was a screen. <laughs> That's just my personal view. And uh, someone's trying too hard. Look at this. What's she doing? Right. Basically, you know, it's going to go dark soon, babe. So no one's going to see it. Um, but it's fine. Um, and she didn't, she didn't, we didn't speak. We didn't, you know, we did not interact at all. With two strangers sat there watching a horror movie. And she was very held and reserved. I'm a little reserved myself sometimes. So, the lights go down and the whole movie happens and the lights go up and basically we're clutching each other's hands. 
<laughs> Still don't know her name. <laughs> just at one point, she, 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 I screamed at one point and almost le- leapt on her, and she screamed and did leap on me. Like, we just went through it together. <laughs> we really went through it. And that's why I mean, this is amazing. Because you have those moments. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a communal experience in a cinema watching horror is great. This is 2018's Hereditary. I mean, we can do spoilers, but I mean, what was your reaction when uh, that little girl's head comes off? That's, oh, uh, oh, that's a moment. God. That's a moment. Oh, it was just awful. I mean, I was leaping. I was leaping about the whole movie. The whole movie. And it was actually too close to the front as well, so I'm sure everyone was really cross. Quite tall person just darting up and down. <laughs> I was really, really scared. Um, and it was just, it was nice. I mean, I've had a few of those. Uh, I've had some other amazing experiences. It's like, it's usually about strangers and someone, someone kind of doing something unexpected or laughing in an unexpected way. And... Um, I think I was the only person that laughed at one line in Barbie recently, which made me laugh even more. What's the line? Which is the line? Um, when Ken is throwing all Barbie's clothes um, and America Ferrer, I was like, that's archival. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> no one, no one laughed. Like, okay, fine. Be like that. Um, so you're sort of, you've been strong-armed into becoming a, a regular horror watcher. Now, uh, Femme is coming out, as I said, shortly. It's your first feature since um, Candyman, um, Nia DaCosta's wonderful remake of that movie. Um, tell me about becoming involved in that and getting that script by uh, the legendary Jordan Peele. I I didn't really, I sat walked into it. I say this a lot, actually, but I do sometimes sleepwalk into things. Like, I... I met Nia through a friend and we were talking. We went to see it. it's an amazing play together. Um, and then she was like, do you want to be in my movie? And I was like, sure. Like, oh, in <laughs> like, what else? <laughs> no, I read it and I was like, yeah, it's really good. And then she, they flew me out to Chicago for a chemistry read. And on the plane at some point, I was like, oh, this is your audition. <laughs> I was like, oh, if you don't do well, then they're going to fire you. It's like, oh, shit. Not so asleep, very awake. I was like, oh. And then there was only two, two guys that did it, and um, one, one had a bit of a hard time. And, and then the, the other one, Paul Kaminsky, who got the role, <laughs> I just couldn't stop giggling. I just couldn't, I don't know what was going on, but I just became incredibly nervous and was really giggling. And then in the back of my head, I was like, this is this person's audition. <laughs> you are giggling. And then he'd say something and I'd just look at him like, just forget my line. I was all over, all over the gas. And Nia luckily found it quite funny. And I was just like, what are you doing, man? And, and then we were filming a month later and that was it. Like, I, Kyle got it and we're really, really close friends now. He's really just a lovely, lovely man. Um, but I just, I would just look at him and laugh. I would just, I don't know what was going on. I was just so kind of like on edge and nervous and probably knew that, you know, that was, that was who it was going to be. So it was great. It was great. I was in a different movie though. I mean, you've seen the film, right? Uh, I have seen the film. It's probably one of the most exquisite looking horror movies I've seen for a while. She um, does such a wonderful job near DaCosta. Yeah. And she's, she's wonderful. And she's a really, I really trusted her and she kind of, I was like, is this too much? She's like, no, 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 this is great. And then really was, I was in a romantic comedy. I was like Nancy Myring around. I was like wine all the time. I had also was in like a nice kitchen. And I was like, where's the horror? 
Um, it, was, it was amazing. And I mean, the original was very beautiful as well. It was a, I really, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I found out quite a nice uh, serendipity-like fact uh, for why you should be in the Candyman. You share a birthday with the original Candyman himself, Tony Todd. The legend Tony Todd has the same birthday as you. The 4th of December. Yes. Unfortunately, my birthday is actually on the 2nd of July. What? They got they got it wrong. The internet lies, Alex. Jesus Christ. That's even on your Wikipedia, lies. though. Wikipedia set me up for yeah, a fall I know, I know. here. I know. I'm really sorry. The internet does lie. Often. Yeah, I mean, I've experienced it, but do you know what? I just thought I thought it had grown up. I thought it had changed. I thought it had got better, and it hasn't. <laughs> I think it's regressing, actually. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not true. It's Tony Todd's birthday um, on Monday, next Monday. I, I, listen, I don't Today. care. If it's not your birthday, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Don't go about Tony Todd's birthday. Tell me if it was your birthday as well. That was going to be my little bit like, oh, look what I know. But screw the internet and screw Tony Todd's birthday. No, no, I didn't mean that. I love Tony. I love Tony Todd. Right, then let's continue down this corridor and put up our next poster, which depicts your worst movie memory. I was sad, okay? I was very, very sad. I was in LA and definitely unemployed. And just... Just a little sad, probably poorer than I wanted to be, older than I wanted to be, less employed than I wanted to be. Um, just wasn't having fun. The holy trinity. Yeah. The, the holy trinity of misery. Yeah. <laughs> just broke and forgotten. Um, and I, why, I don't know why, but I went to go and see Cinderella. And, and it did make me feel better, the live action version this is. Mm-hmm. I thought um, Richard Madden, Derek Jacobi scene was exquisite. <laughs> really went somewhere emotionally. Thought Lee James was wonderful. Uh, yeah, it was, it was just, it was the right kind of tonic. It was tonic. Okay. I'm not, so how is it the worst movie memory then? It sounds great so far. Because well, I had a complete breakdown. In this, this movie theater, I, I let it all come out. Like it was all, it was snotty. It was, it was full, full mucus and tears. And then the little girls came. Because what I didn't realize, because I was so involved in the film, I said the entire movie was like, this is what happens when you go in the day. Most of the audience was mothers and their daughters. <laughs> and they all went dancing at the front of the screen to busily bobbity boo for Helen the Bonham Carter. And I'm streaming with tears. <laughs> like... This is so ugly and so weird. And then I put my glasses on and I was like, you know, my sunglasses are like, oh, you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> you gotta get out of here now. <laughs> it really ruined the film. I was just like, I was having a moment. I was really, I was at church. <laughs> and these girls, they came and ruined it. The busy bobbity boo and the stairs of the mothers are just breaking down, breaking down. It was like it, it was sounds. It was sounds. <laughs> mummy, so... mummy, that that man's scaring us. Mummy, why, why, is, why is all that fluid coming out of his face? Why is he crying? We think. So that was that wasn't great. I mean, again, you know, maybe I should have just gone with someone. Truman should have come. Um, I, I, it was yeah, it was bad. It wasn't like the worst thing that's ever happened, mm. but it just felt very emotional. Um, and then you have to go and face the day, don't you? 
You do. Uh, you do. The dangers of going uh, to a screening in the morning when you're in a fragile state and being surrounded by children who you know you've scared and uh, probably probably ruined Cinderella for them as well. Yeah. Well, I think my need was greater yeah. <laughs> in that moment. Cinderella's for me. It's isn't it weird? I, I was I once went to see um, a movie, The Sweetest Thing, the Cameron Diaz Thomas Jane romantic comedy, straight after a breakup. Oh, yeah. I was like, I need, I need this. Spent the entire oh, movie, ninety minutes, crying my eyes out. But I found it quite cathartic at the end. I walked out going, I needed that. I, that was that was a that was a balm. That was lovely. It, it, it does feel good. I mean, I went when I saw Atonement. That was, I went to see it with someone that I was working with. So we didn't know each other that well. Um, uh, and we just decided to get to the tournament. And it was so emotional. We were both crying, but we gradually kind of turned our backs on each other. <laughs> so it was a little too intense. I was like, I don't really know you that well. <laughs> just kind of like, oh, <laughs> So I think it's, there is a thing about crying, but I'm, I don't think I'm a pretty crier. I'm not very much. I just cry, don't I? But yeah. that was bad. That was, so- that was sobbing. And I think, you know, I also cried during the movie as well. So it was, it was a, it was crescendoing. It was a building up to the end. Uh, well, we'll put up a poster. We've got a poster for Hereditary as your fondest movie memory. We've got a poster for Cinderella, the live-action remake, as your worst movie memory. And suitably enough, on the subject we're talking about, what is the last performance that brought you to tears? That is going to be our third poster. I wasn't say the last performance I saw, but I think if I think about this movie, I tend to, to cry. And I remember when I watched it, I just, it just was very sad. So um, AI, Haley Joel Osment performance in uh, in that film. I mean, I can't, I can't. It just was so pure, so hopeful. Uh, he, yeah, he really, I and mean, look at me, I can't even string a sentence together now. It's, 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 it's kind of nice, isn't it, that in our generation growing up watching movies, we had one of the great child actors on our screens in Haley Joel Osment. He was uh, phenomenal in the sixth sense and indeed, in AI, I think it was his idea as well. I think one of the most effective things is that he doesn't blink. His character never blinks, and that was him yes. saying, saying to Steven Spielberg, "I don't, I don't think I should blink." And it's really effective. It, it's really, I mean, God, the end of like having this one day. It's just, it's just so, so heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. And then you've got like Jude Law being amazing in it as well. Like, it, it, you know, other amazing aspects in it, amazing performances. But it's just so heartbreaking. Um, but I cry, you know, I, I cry. Um, Nyad, Rush, I like sporting movies. Lorenzo's Oil, I mean, that was a big one when I was a kid. I, I, I cry often and fully, as we already know. And you, you like you like sporting movies. Are you a sports fan in real life or just in movie, movie land? I love tennis. Cried. Oh, my God, I cry in tennis as well. I went to see this, like, semi-final at the US Open once. It was, like, the longest rally ever. And I was like, oh, and then, again, that noise. And then, um, and then at the end, I actually, like, started crying. I was like, it's very beautiful. Very beautiful. But I, I went to see a hockey match recently for the first time. I loved that. No crying there. Just a lot of chanting. Um, so I do probably like sport. I mean, tennis is, tennis is, is everything. Um, grew up watching a lot of football as well. So I, I know about it. I just I grew up in the stands. I, I, I don't really like sport. I like baseball. And you live in New York. Have you been to a Yankees game? No. Okay. All right. I was very stern. No, very like, how, <laughs> how dare you even ask? <laughs> because I find it a bit overwhelming. It's, it's very slow. And I went to see a, a football match, as they would call soccer, 
um, match on it was um, NYCFC, and they they had the the pitch. They draw a pitch on the baseball diamond, and I, I was I, I didn't like it. Um, I got a bit upset. Um, <laughs> but I I don't know. Sport is really weird, and I always think that not to derail it too much, but I, I think it was like the art in art of tennis I read ages ago, and, and something else. And, oh, Andre Agassi's um, autobiography mm. um, open, which is just the most beautiful thing, um, and I really think it relates a lot to an, an actor's life. There's a, a sense of, of solitude and I was actually used the word loneliness but there is a, a solitude to both of those those professions um and something about the inner self uh, I think that really really chimes um and you know you watch those matches or not doubles obviously but you just you're watching a sense of theater um you really get to know the, the, the players so I, I love it okay Good, good recommendation. Uh, I quite like uh, reading autobiographies, so uh, Andre Agassi, I will have a look at that. You should. You know about the. You know about the 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 wig. No, I don't want to spoil it too much. Um, Go on, spoil it for me. Basically, he all he towards the not even say the latter end of his career, but he 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 started losing his hair, which I'm sure is just awful, and his hair was a huge part of his his um his image. And so he started wearing a little, little wick and then he was like playing like semi-finals something really big matches but he was mostly worried about his wig slipping and so he's like it's he's just a really incredible person <laughs> okay you know and there's like a drugs thing and junk food thing. He's, he's just a really full person it's a really beautiful book i think um but yeah he was he was knocking people out of the park wearing this week you know he was also like addicted to junk food and stuff anyway you know, I'll, I don't I'll, read the book. I'll read the book you don't need to tell me every i'll read i'll, I'll read the book that, that would make more sense i'm gonna do an I... audio book and i'm gonna read it to you <laughs> <laughs> uh all right i'm gonna leave you with them um, uh, my uh my favorite fact about uh, ai is that steven spielberg turned down directing harry potter the first harry potter to do ai so we lost him in harry potter we got ai i'm happy with that i don't mind i, I so it's it's weird. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very, it feels like a very special film. Maybe more special than I'm saying, but I really, it really is beautiful. All right. The final poster, Nathan, after we put up the poster for AI is the poster that we're putting up now depicts your unpopular movie opinion. I must rewatch this film. It was also recommended by someone that I think I found a little frustrating and annoying. So it might have colored how I saw this film. Okay. But Arrival, I wasn't, in love and everyone loves it it is a, a much loved sci-fi denis villeneuve's uh, science fiction movie about the aliens arriving from 2016 so you watched it and and what what didn't what didn't gel with uh, with what you wanted from this movie i just remember being quite like annoyed and there was something about the circle and i found it really irritating um, <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> just, I I, I I don't like circle. I didn't like the circle. Why don't you like Arrival? There's, have you seen the circles? What are you? How can you even ask me that question? There are circles, loads of circles in it. <laughs> like I mean, did I like science? Because science had circles too. I feel like I didn't like science either. Oh, you didn't like science? I was going to say they're horizontal circles in science. They're vertical circles. I I don't know whether that affects your love of a circle. I I, I you normally think I like circles, but I I don't like. I don't even. I can't remember if I like signs or not. I have a, a kind of shadowy um, a memory of it. But Arrival just didn't really hit me. I just didn't. You know, I love Amy Adams. Like I really do. Um, and I just, 
not that you know, it was not like a film that with your one of your favorite actors in it, but that's fine. But I just didn't, I think it might have been the person that recommended it. Now I'm saying this because I can't really think about what I didn't like. I love the sound stuff. I thought that was that's kind of an amazing thing which we hadn't seen before. I was also sat on the floor when I watched it, and it was really hard. Well, there you go. All this stuff about circles <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> Um, so you do love Amy Adams' performance in Arrival. When don't you? Mm. She's yeah. phenomenal. Mm. Like beyond, and actually kind of, um, uh, I find it quite conservative uh, with her, and I quite like that. Snubbed uh, by the Oscars. Everyone thought she was going to get an Oscar nomination for Arrival because she's very good in it. And it's considered one of the big Oscar snubs, her not getting even a nomination for this film. Really? Mm. I mean, when is she not good? Like, she's just out. I mean, I could go through. I just think she is absolutely fantastic. And then she can do, like, Enchanted. I mean, I, I, I can't. I can't doubt she was there. It was great. All right. We're putting up a poster for Arrival as your unpopular movie opinion. We've reached the last set of doors into the auditorium itself. Now, there is a crowd of people hoping to join you and Truman Capote in this cinema do you want to let them in? Do you want a busy cinema this morning at, uh, when were we going, about 10, 30, 11 a.m.? Or do you want it just you and Truman? Would be weird. Just Truman myself. Um, do we have like a spattering of people? You can let half of them in, yeah? Not half? Yeah. yeah like, like, you see me, you mean less, less than half. Sorry, I went too big. Do you want a, th- <laughs> a third, a quarter? Do you want a quarter of them in? Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, I've handpicked a quarter of the queue. The others look a little bit upset that I've been the one to decide who comes in and who goes. But I've saved you the embarrassment of having to walk down a line going, you, Thank not you. you, you, not you. So we've got a quarter of the queue in. They go wild. Now, you've been great doorbits. You'd be such a good doorbit. You, not you. Oh, and they're twins. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, there's a few things we need to play on this screen before we get to the movie you have picked for us this morning. And the first thing we're going to play is the trailer for the most uh, the movie you're most looking forward to seeing at the cinema. I know what it is, but I've made it a fatal error. I've really, I've really stuffed it. Um, it's an ask me for fall. Okay. It's, I mean, this is the Palme d'Or winner, the French courtroom drama about a woman accused of killing her husband. And I'm going to buy a ticket. But I watched it last night on the screen. <laughs> Nathan, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. I was like, I was like, you don't have to watch this. You can watch anything else. And watch something like you don't have to watch this. And I just saw it there, and it was available. I was like, I just need to watch it. I just need to watch it. And so I had to watch it. And but what I, you know, the screeners are great. Whatever, blah blah. But when it's you know a film like that, I I like to buy a ticket, um, just to support. So I will buy a ticket. I might even go again. It's amazing. Okay, so the movie you're most looking forward to seeing at the cinema, you have already seen, but you are still looking forward <laughs> to seeing it in the cinema. Uh, it seems like you're now determined to undermine this carefully constructed format of my podcast. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, so you've already seen it. Um, it's bloody brilliant, isn't it? Oh, I, I've never really watched anything like that. But, um, it could have gone on for longer. It's been like that, that middle section and that argument. I was like, I was just in it. I was in the room. Uh, right then. Next up on the big screen, we are going to play Nathan, the movie moment that makes you literally or metaphorically pump your fist in the air. It is someone who is. 
and I, I mean, I, weirdly, I used that that film when they talk about them and, and the way that Jordan had this level of trust, and we drove off the cliff. Um, I just that degree of friendship, that degree of love, that degree of fucking hotel. Like it just, it's really, really beautiful. Um, I, I really love it. I have it. You know, I know you haven't seen Naya, but I, I have. I have it in in sporting movies as well. There's a bit in Naya. Jodie Foster does something. Else. Yes. Um, and I, I have it. I have it often. I have it. You know, when Tom Cruise runs, anytime he runs, and he runs often, <laughs> but it just anything where someone is as a moment of triumph, I think it's so, I really like it. Yeah. It's a, it's a phenomenal moment. The end of that movie. Um, before uh, Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis um, took the roles, there was a, there was a period where Goldie Horn and Meryl Streep were looking for a movie to do together. And they, they toyed with Thelma and Louise. And in the end, uh, they made a movie that was a, a flop at the time, but which I consider. Amazing. A, right. Death becomes her, isn't Amazing. it? Amazing. It's hey, you got me speechless again. Um, so I'm going to out him, and I don't care because I have I don't care. Um, but I'm not going to actually tell you which one it is. Um, one of the directors um, of them hadn't seen that movie, and I was so aghast that I bought it for him. <laughs> I was like, here, if you've still got one of those things, those DVD player things, use it. Um, I just, it's just a classic, man. It's, and Bruce, oh, what Bruce Willis does in that movie as well, just like the comedy of those three people. And it's a bit of Rosalini as well. Like the comedy of that is just, I can see right through you. It's just like, oh, come on. Like, it's, it's, yeah, it's incredible. I'm really glad they made that. And I'm really glad that they didn't make Dumb and Louise because it made a very different thing. But they, um, there's a different ending, which, I mean, Goldie Horn, uh, there's like an interview with her on YouTube, and I can't remember that there was a, a sadder ending, um, an ending that was just, I think maybe Ernest got married. There's something about Ernest um, and his life. So it might not be the funeral, it might be something else. And they basically just have this kind of awful existential moment where they realize they were just chained together forever, but not broken at the bottom of the stairs. I think they were just sitting on a bench looking at looking at people and um, apparently the shooter decided that it was too much too sad too much too real but much better because really that's what that's what is actually going to happen to those two people i mean just hearing you tell me it i'm like oh wow that would have packed a real punch like without the comedy of them shattering at the stairs just a, a sort of a, a realization that you are immortal and for eternity you are stuck with a person you hate but it was too. I mean, you, you still get it with them shattering the edge, but at the end, but um, it's not. It yeah, it's just a little funny, it's a little lighter. But I love. I mean, I really love that movie. I'm sure a rewatch, actually. I think great movie. But the moment we are actually playing is the end of Thelma and Louise. Yes. So next up, we are going to play what you consider cinema's most shocking moment. Um, I believe it's called When a Stranger Calls. I can. I only call it the killer. The call is coming from inside the house. That's what I call it. But. Mm. It is when it's strange calls, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay, good. Because um, I get, I always get titles and things wrong and just moments. Um, 
and it might not be the most shocking moment, but it's <laughs> it scared me. Um, but so, weirdly, the bed scared me more. So this, so this is this is the. I I just remember it as one of the first scary stories we all used to tell each other as kids. It was like one of the first ones you learned about the babysitter and the, the she's getting these awful calls from a killer, and then the police trace it, and they're like they're like get out of the house. The killer, the calls are coming from inside the house. And I remember hearing it as a kid and it shit me up. It's a terrifying conceit. It, it's really, it's really awful. And, but the, the bed, for me, the bed was worse. Like you get out of bed and you get back in bed and someone's there, you kind of think, let me just check. Let me just make sure you're you. Because her getting out of bed and then getting back in and lying next to boyfriend, husband, working on what it is um, correctly. And it actually being the killer, like killed the guy and put him in the closet, was way too much for me to handle. Like it was, that was a real, I was really surprised. That was like a real twist. And just terrifying. And you can see him, his eyes, like, oh, why didn't my back to his, his name? But I, I don't think it's the most shocking. I mean, you know, we can talk about Irreversible being like, that's, I think that was pretty shocking. Yeah, that's all. I think that yeah. whole movie from start to finish is, mm-hmm. is shocking and. I remember when we were watching someone, they actually turned it off. They, there's no, and the group actually said, we have to continue. Um, and then they were like, I can't watch this. It's quite a big swing as well. If you're watching it with a group of people and rather than leave the room, you go, I'm turning this off. It's like, well, there's a lot of other people that don't want it turned off. Yeah. And it was, it was a little like just leave and just, and, and, you know, with love, but like, just, <laughs> you can't do that. Um, <laughs> Very yeah. LA of you then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, awful, Nathan, you've changed. Bit. You have changed. <laughs> Sleep with love. Um, but no, I, I, I think for me, uh, when a strange calls, it was again. It was like one of those first moments. I was like, ah, like I was petrified and did not expect it at all. And I, it was. It's also like a cult moment as well. And I think. Um, I think that the shockiness of um, Irreversible is a bit different. But then it's like, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever watched a Darren Aronofsky movie twice. Interesting. So this is like the likes of Black, Black Swan and... I think it's a one-time thing for me. Mother, Requiem for a Dream. Um, Black Swan I would probably watch again, but I just haven't gotten around to it. But I, I mean, Requiem for a Dream, that was a one-time thing. I, I I couldn't agree more. I remember being captivated by it, but also needing probably a, a good forty eight hours, if not more, to recover from some of the images in that film. It's not that you don't like those films; you, know, it's, you always go back to the next film, but it's it's too much to to repeat. Like the knowledge of what happens in Requiem for a Dream, I don't need to see it again. Like Ellen Bernstein, like cleaning the house, it, and then you know that other scene. Like I'm like no 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 no. Yeah, yeah, that 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 other scene. Yeah, and also, you know, I mean, I think you make a great shout with mother as well. I mean, the bit with the baby, where the baby is like ripped away and <clears throat> apart. That that baby scene, I, I can close my. I think it's a it's a testament to him as a filmmaker, like it or not. Like you close your eyes, and I can do it right now and still see that horrible baby scene with the oh, crowd no, of people. It's completely see it. Yeah, I, I, I think that was really sho- that was really shocking. But each of his movies has an element, a scene that just pushes something way further than you wanted to go. <laughs> um, 
and and never to be repeated. Like it's like I'm not repeating that. Um, so maybe that's you know, now the the cause coming from inside the house seems a bit tame. Now we've talked about those those things. I like it though. It's a good show. I'm, I'm I'm convinced by it. Let's go with that. The moment you consider cinema's most shocking is from when a stranger calls. And now we're going to play something. You mentioned the sound in a cinema before. We're playing this through the wonderful Dolby Atmos speakers. It's going to boom around the auditorium. The line or piece of dialogue from a movie that most affected you. <laughs> this is not. Oh, this line did not. It's not. It's affected me the most. There's so many lines. I've already I quoted "Death Becomes Her" as well as a couple of other things I, I could probably quote. But this film, I don't know how it's not come up yet already. This film is slightly biblical to Ron. And now I'm going to misquote the line. Um, shut up, mother! You'll give yourself a nosebleed. Oh, shut up, mother! Sorry, I did misquote it. Oh, shut up, mother! You'll give yourself a nosebleed. Which. Kate Winslet says to Frances Fisher, I believe her name is Frances Fisher, um, as Rose DeWitt Bucator, and I don't know why my mother's called, I can't remember what my mother's called, just matter. Um, Ruth, I but, think. Is it Ruth? Ruth DeWitt? Ruth, I think that's it's it, Ruth. Ruth, Ruth, Ruth. That's it, Ruth. Thank you. Um, there was no talk of nosebleeds before or after this moment. <laughs> it's just a wonderful line that encapsulates that relationship. <laughs> and it's scathing. And quick, and then Francis Fisher like yanks her. <laughs> like I've got the whole. I mean, let's say she was like eighteen or nineteen, and I remember the character. I just had like nineteen years of knowledge, know <laughs> that that little bit. And like, I thought, you know, I, I still think it's just amazing. And um, and, and when I did um, Misfits with Antonio Thomas, <laughs> if we we're annoying each other, she would say that to me. She's like fling it across the room, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, fine." Um, I really loved. I love it. I love a, I love a zinger, don't I? That's a great zinger as well. It's a classic zinger. Um, it's uh, it's a performance that Kate Winslet isn't a fan of. Uh, her performance as Rose. Uh, what? She was, yeah, I know, I know. I mean, because you said this movie has a biblical uh, quality for you. Why? Why is it such an important movie, Titanic, for you? Because I can quote this movie or use this movie and everything so a, a, a friend was um a friend was bemoaning their their singleness and this makes me sound like a very cruel friend i'm not i'm really i love my friends and i've been bemoaning a, a couple of them today well it's one <laughs> one but um a, a different friend was bemoaning them and being themselves being single <laughs> and um i was like oh you're like you're like that that woman led a titanic and they're like well and i was like well, you know when like Kate's like with Leo and like Leo's going to protect her. And then like, there's that woman like that falls to her death and she's got no one. It's like, <laughs> she's like, how can you get from me being single all the way back to Titanic and my death? <laughs> oh, you can wow. just, you can just put it in. You can put it in so many different places and, you know, if you're moving uh, back to the table, there's themes today. If you're moving a table and someone's moving it incorrectly, you're like, come about! <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it's just like, you can just do whatever you need to do with it. And it's, it's a long movie. I love that it starts as one thing and then it becomes this action movie. Like, it's like, you know, period, romantic, blah, blah. And I love all that stuff about it. And then she's waiting in water with an axe. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> like I'm running down corridors of water after her. And Billy Zane's like, I put the gold on her. Like, it's great. I love it. I love um, it. 
it's yeah, it's great. I mean, I I think Kate Winslet was kind of half joking, but her her issue with it, and it's a very funny quote. She's talking about her accent, and she says, uh, she said in this interview, I'm like, really, really, you did it like that? Oh my god, it's awful. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm not hearing it. I, I, I just, I just think she's in it. She just is so at peace, so honest. So alive, like it's one. She smiles at Billy Zane at one point over the table, and he says something. She has a really big fake smile, no teeth, and I'm like, where did that even come from? It just was naturally like she's not even making the decisions. She's just so in the character. You know, like, um, Kirsten Dunst has that in Interview with the Vampire as well. Like there's certain moments, and you know, Jeremy Maguire, Tom Cruise. Like there's certain moments where people are just so in it, and I think that's. I think she really is in that. I mean, they all are. Honestly. Billy Zane, I think, his performance is incredible as well. He's so dismissive. It's so yeah. wonderful. Yeah, he's great. He's a great villain. Uh, right, listen, we've got one more thing to do before you announce the movie you're going to be playing for us on the big screen tonight, and that is for you to play through the Dolby Atmos speakers once more, the best use of music in a movie. Um, let's just say Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise also has a music, um, a music moment, doesn't he? Risky business. Oh, Cocktail. Um, I'm missing some. Top Gun. Top Gun, obviously, yeah, Top Gun. What did he do in the stat? Does it get in the stat? The stat has the piano, though, but that's not really a music moment, though. I loved him as I loved him as Lestat. Lestat was he's one of my favourite Tom Cruise roles. He's brilliant. He's brilliant as Lestat. Um, he's just, he's, I mean, I love that movie. Um, I feel like Tom Cruise does, he has a lot of music moments. I'm, I'm funny with that, though. I like the Tom Cruise answer. I mean, you're going to have to pick one. We can't play all of them. So is there one that stands out for you as a Tom Cruise musical moment that you really would watch again on YouTube in a heartbeat? I mean, I'm going to do I'm, I'm going to do one of mine. My, I, I love him making cocktails and cocktail to Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love. I think that's a great moment. It's great. And then they turn it, turn it, turn it down and lets the crowd sit. Yeah, that is a really good moment. All right, come on. Let's, let's, let's join forces there. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to press you. I mean, I've got a later one, but it's much later. It's not early Tom Cruise. It's uh, tell me, Les Grossman dancing to "Ludicrous Get Back" at the end of Tropic Thunder. Oh, that is a good one, isn't it? No, Cocktail's better because Cocktail's more. I loved that movie. I I really really loved that movie when I was younger. Um, I don't know why it challenged me so much, but it really loved it. Um, and I loved it more than Risky Risky Business. So. But and that moment, I feel like everyone knows that moment. Cocktail's probably a better one. Dumb. Cocktail. Robert Palmer's totally uh, addicted to love. Right, we have arrived. It is now time to announce to this semi-full auditorium with a smattering of people and, indeed, Truman Capote himself, the movie <laughs> out of all others you have picked for us to watch tonight. Nathan, what are we watching? Rosemary's Baby. Now, this was, this was hard because I was going to pick Psycho. Um, because I put on Psycho as like a background movie sometimes. And I do a lot of background movies where I'm just, it's just on and I'm just doing other stuff. Huh. I like Psycho. Um, but Rosemary's Baby is still, to this day, truly terrifying. It's still now, you're still like, don't drink the tea. Like, just, like, it's still, I still find it, creepy and um oh god i can't uh 
Calder Maud. What is her name? I can't remember the actress's name anymore. Um, the one place name. Ruth Gordon. That's it, Ruth Gordon. Um, you know that you, I mean, we've all had those people, but the way she kind of just goes through the house and like, where did you get that? Like, what do you? Oh, so nice. Blah blah. Just chats and overwhelms me. Like, like it's really just chats around. Like, oh wow, how'd you get that? Oh wow, wow. And all of that stuff. It's like an incredible performance, and I really. I, I find that really creepy, actually. I find that being overwhelmed. And there's just so many of those moments of, like, you know, actually escaping and then going to the doctor, trusting the wrong people. Like, it's, I find it really, really creepy. There's a video I, I did, and I watched it a few years ago now. Um, in New York, I was quite high up somewhere, and um, it was like a storm, and I could see um, on World Trade, and I was watching it, and they said I did a video where I can't quite actually find it. Me and I was doing something, and it's like, bolt of lightning hits the top of the building. It's like, or watching the rest of the video. It's kind of incredible. Um, but I, I just, I'm scared. I'm scared and I'm disturbed. One of those movies with a really iconic poster as well. I always, when I think about Rosemary's Baby, I immediately see that poster with the silhouette of the pram against the green background. It's just. It's also, yeah, it's very beautiful. Like, I mean, it's just a very, the beginning, it's just a very beautiful, very delicate beginning. Like, it's all very, it's not perfect, but it just feels very delicate. And I, I think that's probably what is so compelling and scary about it. So, yeah, I mean, she, she's just very delicate and, you know, going to the core box and really, yeah, it's, it's an amazing movie. So that's probably what I watch. Because I, I think, do I watch it annually? More or less, more or less. It's, amazing, it's an amazing performance, and it's you know the backstory as well. I think she was Frank Sinatra divorced her, sent her divorce papers while she was filming. Mia Farrow was filming Rosemary's Baby, so to be going through that, I guess I don't know, and to still deliver that performance is quite incredible. Yeah, she I mean, she must have used something, I'm sure, within that. But um, that's my movie, and I I sad to say I've never seen it on the big screen. Well, it's a very special night tonight at our virtual cinema then because we are playing Rosemary's Baby on the big screen. It's finishing. The curtains are closing. The guests are milling out. This smattering of guests and Truman Capote are milling out, smiling, chatting, and thanking <laughs> you, Nathan, for taking them on an incredible morning out at the movies. But before you go, it's time for the big one. The big question. Tell us an exclusive, never-before-heard bit of information about your career, past, present, or future. Uh, definitely the past. I sometimes leave Easter eggs to Titanic if I have to improvise <laughs> or ad lib. Not very, this is not big. <laughs> Don't look at me like <laughs> Wait, so there are, there, are, there are shows and films out there that you have appeared in in which you've used dialogue from Titanic secretly. There's one I'm thinking of. It sounds like, I think I did a Jurassic Park one, but that was also like, just, I think it was just a movement I did. I did. It wasn't necessarily a, a line, which is fine. I have to steal all the time, Alex. Don't. No judgment. <laughs> um, no judgment. I'm just, I'm, I'm interested to know where, where we could see this. I want to know what it was in, where it is. I can't tell you. I'll get in trouble. They'll be really cross. Um, so, so they <laughs> don't know. It's not that you, this slipped through the net. No. But the thing is, you're ad-libbing. So it's just like whatever comes to your head. And you have to kind of fill in you know, pad it out. And I I needed someone to not be where they were 
sorry, Kathleen, um, to not be where they were, and um, well, I needed to move aside, and so I said, "Move aside, move aside, move aside," just like Kate Winslet did in Titanic when they're ramming down that thing, and um. I liked it. <laughs> I don't know. It was just it was just one of those things, and it has happened before. And you know, you, you get you get little things, you get little things in, like ad libs. It's not it didn't derail the scene. Um, <laughs> I do like fitting in. I do like fitting in stuff like that. I, I don't know. I love I love movies. I like certain performances. And I love the way she did that, and I feel like that was an ad lib anyway. I I really feel like that was her just going for it. And I hope to ask her one day. Maybe you can ask her one day for me. I, I, I will do. I, I will certainly ask her and see whether you're ad-libbing an ad-lib. But I, I, I'm keen for you to, at some point in the future, to take this to the next level and try and get in. Stop it, mother. You'll give yourself a nosebleed to a, <laughs> to a scene. I think that would be I mean, genius. That is a whole, that's an actual line, though. I like, <laughs> that's a big moment. And now we've had this conversation. There are going to be, I mean, any director, I'm never going to work again. I'm like, not the guy that quotes Titanic, not on my set. <laughs> but, um, they're going to be watching. They're going to be really, I'm going to have to change film. Um, but, but yeah, I, maybe one day. Maybe one day. We'll do it. Oh, I love it. Nathan, thank you for that. And that is it. That's it. It's all over. The taxi has arrived to ferry you back to reality. But before you go, let's recap, Nathan, your perfect trip to the movies. You are going with Truman Capote at some point during the mid-morning. You are going to be sitting at the center towards the back. And as far as what you're taking snack-wise, some Twizzlers, which we found out are low in sugar for a candy, and a bottle of water. Nothing more, nothing less. No alcohol, because you don't want to have to use the toilet at any point during the movie. We're putting up a poster for your fondest movie memory, which was watching Hereditary. Your next poster depicts your worst movie memory, which was crying your eyes out and terrifying a bunch of children during a screening of Cinderella 2015. The next poster we're putting up depicts the last performance that brought you to tears. Apparently you cry all the time, but the one that stands out is Haley Joel Osment in AI. And the final poster we're putting up depicts your unpopular movie opinion. You didn't love Arrival because of circles circles uh, the next thing we're going to do as we enter the auditorium is play the trailer for the movie you're most looking forward to seeing at the cinema which you've already seen last night even though you knew you were doing this podcast this morning which is anatomy of a fall then the movie moment that makes you literally or metaphorically pump your fist in the air Thelma and Louise driving off the cliff at the end of Thelma and Louise next the moment you consider cinema's most shocking is from when a stranger calls and the scene in the bed where it's the killer in the bed the next thing we're playing is the movie the line or piece of dialogue from a movie that most affected you shut up mother you'll give yourself a nosebleed which you are going to sneak into a future production Next up, the best use of music in a movie. It was going to be from an early Tom Cruise film. We settled on cocktail set to Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love, Cruise making cocktails. And then the movie we are screening is the 1968 Roman Polanski horror, Rosemary's Baby. Nathan, 
thank you for that wonderful trip to the movies. Have you had a good time? Yes, I had definitely, definitely. Truman and I are very happy. And um, once again, congratulations on both culprits, which is screening now on Disney Plus and Femme. Good luck at the Biffers. I, I hope you walk Thanks away you. with the award that you and George are nominated for. Femme is out in cinemas on December the first, and it is absolutely bloody brilliant. You're fantastic in it. It's oh, been a thank pleasure you. Seeing you again, Nathan. Thank you. Come, come see me in New York. Wrap up. I will do. Yeah, I will do. I'll, I'll come and see you and have those the famous New York winter sweats, and uh, that'll be lovely. <laughs> That'll be lovely. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great rest of your day. And as Nathan's cab carries him away from our virtual cinema, off into the distance, we must all leave his movie paradise and return to reality. But to soften the blow, how would you like a pair of tickets for a night out at a very real Odeon cinema? Each week we give away a pair to someone who leaves us a review of the show on Apple Podcasts. It's that simple. So jump on there, leave us a review, and if I read it out, we will send you some tickets. The competition is only open to UK residents and the tickets exclude Odeon Leicester Square and Odeon Lux. And just before I say my final farewell for this episode, don't forget you can find the full video for today's Nathan Stewart Jarrett interview and indeed for every guest on our Trip to the Movies YouTube channel. So please head over there if you'd like to watch that. And as I said at the start, do try and help us grow the pod by hitting that subscribe button. That really is it. I'll be back next week when another guest fills our cinema with their celluloid dreams as they take us on a trip to the movies. Bye-bye.